Hello and welcome to episode 181 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. I'm one of the co-founders here at ETR. As always, I am joined by fellow co-founder Evan Silva and it is draft week, my friends. So it is time for our second annual mock draft podcast with our good friend of mock drafting fame, one of the industry's most accurate on an annual basis. It is Scott Smith of the Action Network of MMA training fame. He's in the virtual horse streets, as I just learned. Scott, how's it going? What's going on, fellas? Doing good, man. I know you're excited for draft week. Evan, about four days away from the draft. How's it going, buddy? Yeah, I'm excited. And especially to talk with Scott Smith, who I think is one of the uh, best critical thinkers when it comes to predicting the draft. Very pragmatic guy. Um, and anybody that is listening to this should take seriously Scott Smith's predictions. Yeah, I, I think it's an important point, too, for those of you that are betting draft props out there like me and Evan. And I don't know if Scott is or, or, or not, but what we think doesn't really matter. You know, it's what teams are going to do is what matters when you're betting draft props so what we think of players is really kind of irrelevant when you're betting draft props of course all right on today's show we're gonna do exactly what the title says i your humble narrator will be presiding over this mock draft between the two legends scott and evan i'll be writing down the picks here to make sure no one picks the same guy twice we are not going to do trades here this is just a straight mock and by the way evan and scott are not picking what they think teams should do they're picking what they think teams will do obviously a big difference there before we get into it, I want to remind everyone to head to EstablishRun.com. There you will find Silva's final mock draft coming soon. Our dynasty rankings, Kareem's rookie rankings and dynasty rankings, continuously updating best ball rankings. And coming in May, Silva's first top 150 of the 2021 fantasy football season. All right. Let's start with pick one. Jacksonville Jaguars on the clock. I'm going to give pick one to Evan here. You're on the clock as the Jacksonville Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence, I don't think there needs to be any further discussion. Yeah, I think a pretty clear tier, as most uh, everybody thinks there's a pretty clear tier from Trevor Lawrence down to the rest of the quarterbacks. Shout out to the Jaguars. Pick two, Scott Smith, New York Jets are on the clock. Yeah, I think this one's almost as set in stone as what Trevor Lawrence is. And uh, you're looking at Zach Wilson, quarterback from BYU. I I think he's clearly going to be the second quarterback taken at this point in time. So... That's where my money's going. If you want to hear a contrarian take on Zach Wilson, go ahead back and listen to Matt Waldman a few podcasts ago, who actually has Zach Wilson as his number six rated quarterback in this class. But anyways, we think the Jets are almost certainly taking Zach Wilson. Now it gets interesting, Evan. Now it gets interesting, my friend. You are on the clock with the third pick to the San Francisco 49ers who traded up and gave up really significant draft capital to trade up to this number three spot. And there are three quarterbacks in play here, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. As someone who has bet Trey Lance personally to be this pick, I'm hoping that it is Trey Lance. I do not think it's going to be Justin Fields. I think there's a disconnect between draft Twitter and general NFL draft media uh, as to uh, uh, regarding uh, Justin Fields and I, I'm, I'm buying it here. I think that it's going to be Mac Jones as the third overall pick. But I am curious to hear Scott Smith. I, I know it's not his uh, turn to make a selection, but we need to get Scott Smith on the record. Where does he think that San Francisco is going to go? 
So I, I'm locking step with you. I think it's going to be Mac Jones, regardless of what any armchair scouts like believe and want to break down as far as athleticism and things like that. Look, we don't get to sit down with these guys at a whiteboard as a coach trying to figure out how fast they process and what type of knowledge they have at a quarterback. Guys like like the person making a pick, Kyle Shanahan, they get to do that. And inevitably, they're going to know the traits that they that they're going to want in a quarterback and especially, you know, Mac Jones, regardless of where we think he should be, regardless of how much draft capital they gave up to get into that position. The big thing for me is like, you have all the big media insiders that have connections and and have sources within these organizations. And they're all saying Mac Jones. And I, I think if you're going to bet on anything, Adam Schefter makes his, entire career offer relationships and, and with Trevor Lawrence being as good as what he is, you know, the main topic, the hot topic and big story of this draft has been what's going to happen at this pick three right here. And I sincerely think that if Adam Schefter thinks it says it's going to be Mac Jones, he is not going to risk his reputation and his sources are not going to risk their, you know, the the value that they have of Schefter leaking things you know, for him to be wrong. I just don't see him being wrong. Now, with that being said, look, pay attention over the next four days. And if Adam Schefter says something's changing, I think something may be changing. But as of right now, I wholeheartedly think and expect it to be Mac Jones. To, to be clear, I, I want to be sure that we haven't seen anything new from Schefter. All we have that he where he's alluded to Mac Jones is some of that radio stuff. I haven't seen him tweet or write an article or anything like that, that it's going to be Mac Jones. Have you seen anything different there, Scott? I haven't seen anything different, but even the other guys that are pretty keyed in, um, you know, you're talking about the Mike Lombardi's, Tony Pauline's, all of these guys are, are pretty much lock and key and, you know, marching along yeah. the same beat that it's going to be Mac Jones with so many people where there's smoke, there's fire. So until I see something otherwise, that's what it's going to be. The other thing to really key in on this for the guys that are in my industry, like doing the mock drafts, look, if it's Justin Fields, it's going to screw everybody's mock drafts. It's going to be hard to recover because how the draft falls out after this pick is going to be very key. Yeah, for sure. And again, I'm with Evan that I'm hoping it's Trey Lance. Got some plus 450 on Trey Lance. And there were still some plus 400 on Trey Lance out there uh, as of, I don't know, three or four days ago. I'm not sure what it's at right now. We're recording this Sunday night, by the way, 8.50 Eastern time it is, p.m. Eastern time it is right now. Uh, okay. Scott, you're on the clock. Pick four, the Atlanta Falcons have a 36-year-old quarterback in Matt Ryan. Where do you think they go at pick four? So this is the next interesting spot. So the first domino to fall is probably going to be Mac Jones. You know, if Mac Jones goes, does Atlanta take a quarterback? The logic that I think is that with the situation they have with Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan is going to be on that team for this year and next year. While it would be good for them to get a quarterback to go ahead and replace Matt Ryan. I just don't see them having an asset that they're going to draft in the top four that they plan on sitting for two years. I think they're going to get a player that's going to see the field. I think that player is going to be the unicorn of the draft, Kyle Pitts, tight end. I think they will have some other options to to go ahead and, and trade down. However, I just don't think teams are going to, going to be wanting to go up that far to four whenever they probably have another option at six, seven, or eight to to give up less to move up if they want a quarterback. So I'm going with Kyle Pitts. Yeah, Kyle Pitts, certainly uh, the quote-unquote true freak of this draft, the unicorn, as Scott called him. All right, Evan, the Bengals now are on the clock. I'm sure teams might be, if they like Trey Lance, if they like Justin Fields, they'll probably be calling the Bengals right now to try to move up. Again, we're not projecting trades as part of this mock, if the Bengals stay at five, Evan, what do you think they do with Lawrence Wilson, Mac Jones, and Kyle Pitts off the board? 
Well, I think I've been clear about what I think they should do. They used the number one overall pick on Joe Burrow last year. He took a ton of sacks. Then he tore his ACL. They've had, you know, the the worst offensive line in the league for the last you know half decade plus. And so I think they should take the tackle Penny Sewell out of Oregon. But word on the street is that ownership has sort of stepped in here. Joe Burrow wants Jamar Ch- Jamar Chase of LSU. And that's where they're going to go. So I'm going to go with Jamar Chase here at number five. Man, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon. I mean, that's a nice supporting cast for Joe Burrow. Maybe they can get some offensive line help later. That would be really, really interesting for sure. If this falls like this, six to Miami, they are going to be sitting with a ton of trade offers, I'm sure. And also a lot of good players left, certainly on the offensive line. Scott, if it falls like this, what do you think about six to Miami? Yeah, you know, if it falls like this, I think you're right. I think this is where you start seeing some of the the trade offers come up. I think Denver would be one of the teams that that you know has enough incentive, and there's a small enough gap to where Miami could move down a few picks and still get a player that they're targeting, but also that Denver could move up and maybe get a quarterback that they're looking for, or another team move up and get Penay Sewell. Um, under this circumstance, I actually think that Miami's not so keyed in on, on Panay Sewell. I, I think they're, they're going to be looking maybe to move down and, and get a wide receiver. Um, under this circumstance, I'm going to go with Jalen Waddell. I think he's going to end up getting drafted over Devontae Smith. I think there's some size issues. The fact that Devontae Smith did not work out, you know, the medicals came back, said he weighed 166. I think it's going to be very hard for a team to, to draft a guy like Devontae Smith that early in the top 10. So uh, I think Miami's looking for another weapon, and I'm going to go with Jalen Waddell. Yeah, certainly we've been talking about that bet, Jalen Waddell over uh, uh, Devontae Smith. You could get that like minus 110, minus 112 pretty recently. All right, Evan, it's gone Lawrence, Wilson, Mac Jones, Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, the Detroit Lions. We've talked a ton about, a ton about moving back, or maybe they think that they can improve on Jared Goff here with a quarterback. So a lot of options if it falls like this for Detroit. What do you think? The rebuilding Lions, and they have options, I think, here. They should have options to trade out, which I think they should do, uh, or it's one of their best uh, options. But we're not projecting trades in this mock draft. And I think the alternative to trading out would be to draft a quarterback, start their rebuild by drafting a quarterback. I think they know that Jared Goff is is not the long-term answer. And uh, Chris Spielman, uh, who is in their front office and uh, is uh, and Ohio guy. Uh, I think that he's going to push for Justin Fields. Um, and right now at uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, you can get the Lions to draft Justin Fields at 11 to 1. And I think it's a, a very realistic possibility. And in this mock draft, that's where I'm going to go. Justin Fields, number seven to the Lions. Yeah, you can also find some stuff. If you think Fields, like Evan alluded to, there's a disconnect there. You can find like Justin Fields over five bets. Right now, we'll talk about this more on Tuesday. By the way, we're doing another draft props pod on Tuesday, and we'll talk more about this field stuff. But but yeah, I think you can get some over fields at five still is out there. All right, Scott, pick eight, the Carolina Panthers, the Sam Darnold-led Carolina Panthers are on the clock to Scott. Yeah, I think under this situation, it'd be a dream scenario for the Panthers. And uh, I'm going to go with uh, tackle Panay Sewell, you know, a little bit of a drop here in, in this scenario that we're running through. But I, I think, Look, they, 
they have struggles at, at two positions, and, and that's along the offensive line and in the secondary. At least in the secondary, they, they kind of address cornerback a little bit by bringing in A.J. Bouye, but they, they really don't have much else after him and Dante Jackson. Um, and it's kind of the same thing along the offensive line. I, I think going ahead and getting Sewell here would be a dream scenario, and they could possibly, you know, play him at, at right tackle, play him at guard, or even, you know, kick Little in and play him at left tackle. So I think that's the options, and it would be a great scenario for Carolina. Yeah, I get the feeling like ownership wants them to make a big splash and maybe they would want ownership would say, I want you guys to take Trey Lance. But man, you know, I, I think Sam Darnold, I don't know, maybe I'm going to regret saying this, but I think Sam Darnold is going to take a pretty big step forward with Carolina. And I thought it was a pretty good deal for them. Sam Darnold's still so young. And so I'm not writing off Sam Darnold yet with these weapons and this scheme and getting Penny Sewell will be great for them too. Now, Evan, at nine, Trey Lance remains on the board for the Denver Broncos, currently quarterbacked, of course, by... Drew Locke, Evan, what do you think the Broncos would do under this spot at spot nine? Going with Trey Lance for sure here. Um, and I think it's a no-brainer pick, a, a, another dream scenario here for Denver. We've talked about they've got a good offensive line. They've got a bunch of weapons. They've got a defense that's going to be solid under Vic Fangio. They're missing the quarterback. And, you know, Trey Lance is a Patrick Mahomesian talent. And I, I think there's even a possibility that the Broncos trade up to try to get uh, Trey Lance or Justin Fields. But in this scenario, Trey Lance is available for them and they they rush to turn in the card. Yeah, and again, this will be five quarterbacks in the top nine. Those props still are out there. Will five quarterbacks go in the top 10? You can definitely get some reasonable prices on that. All right, now the draft starts to get more difficult because we start getting away from kind of the frontline quarterbacks from the big name, uh, from getting away from Sewell, getting away from Waddle and all these guys. There are some still... Certainly very good wide receiver prospects on the board, but Dallas, certainly they're a heavy favorite to take defense here. Scott, at pick 10, we have no defensive players even off the board yet. What do you have for Dallas at pick 10? Yeah, this is, I think, where you you start looking at defense. There's a lot of good props still on the board for Patrick Sertain to be the top defensive player drafted. When you start looking at mocks, uh, 66% of mock drafts have Patrick Sertain going here to the Cowboys. So uh, I think it's a good chance. I think it's a good fit. The other player I think you could look at is Rayshon Slater. But I think when you start looking at needs and also look at the depth at both positions, defensive back and tackle, I think it makes a lot of sense to go ahead and take the best player in, in the secondary and possibly best defense player in this draft. Patrick Sertain. Yeah. I mean, we know Dallas's offense is going to play very well this season. Defense was just a stone disaster last year. Stay in the NFC East with the New York Giants at pick 11. Evan, we know that Dave Gettleman loves his hog mollies. What do you think about pick 11? A lot of mock drafts have the Giants taking a wide receiver here. And I think that's kind of strange because they've got a pretty good three receiver set. They've got two tight ends that they can play in Evan Ingram and Kyle Rudolph, they don't have a quality offensive line. I mean, trotting out Nate Solder as your, you know, projected right tackle is, you know, kind of embarrassing. So I, I think that they uh, they go with Rayshon Slater here out of Northwestern, um, and they line him up across from Andrew Thomas and put Daniel, Daniel Jones in, in the best position possible to succeed. Yep, and there's certainly some talent evaluators out there who have Slater over Penny Sewell. You know, I'm obviously in no position to say so. We'll talk to Brandon about that, Brandon Thorne about that once we get him on. But yeah, you know, I think Rayshon Slater would be a really nice pick. And obviously, as we talked about on the Robert Mays pod, I mean, I don't see why the Giants would take a wide receiver either. I don't know. Have you seen that, Scott, with people mocking 
wide receivers to Giants? And you think that was strange? Yeah, I think I don't necessarily think it's strange. Uh, there are rumors out there connecting Devontae Smith with uh, Gettleman and, and the Giants and, and whatnot. Um, I, I think it's strange as far as a fit. I, I think, you know, signing Galladay took care of the, the wide receiver one. You got Slayton and Shepard that, that both work out well in the, the positions they are with Galladay being added. I, I think if you're, you're all in on Daniel, Daniel Jones, then you need to go and, and protect him. And I think so far, you know, in our scenario, I think these are the top 11 guys that are going to go. I, I think you can maybe see a trade here and there for one of these couple teams to move up and, and grab their quarterback. But I think these are the top 11 guys that you're going to see go in the, in the draft. All right. The Eagles are on the clock at pick 12. And I can tell you as someone who lives here in Philadelphia, I know right now the fans are going to be going absolutely berserk for them to take Devontae Smith. Like they will, after missing on Justin Jefferson last year, they will not like rest until the Eagles hit on a wide receiver. So, I mean, they're going to be clamoring for Devontae Smith. What do you have here, though, Scott, the Eagles at pick 12? Yeah, I think uh, I think it is going to be Devontae Smith under this circumstance. The other player I would kind of look for is uh, J.C. Horn. Uh, that, that defense is actually getting old. And to me, it's, you know, as far as Philadelphia goes, I, I think they have the worst roster right now in the, the NFC East. Uh, I think they're really starting to, to fall behind. And, and they, they really need to start taking some, some cornerstone pieces that they can build around. I don't think this is going to be a quick fix for them. I'm not necessarily sure that Jalen Hurts is the answer at, at quarterback. But under this circumstance, uh, especially with the, the wide receiver issues that they have, I'm going to go with Devontae Smith. Uh, you're speaking my language, Scott. I, I said that I was on Eagles under six and a half wins at plus 120 on our win totals pod and Silva and Raybon just laughed me off the podcast. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. They're, they're On paper, I think they're the worst team in the NFC East right now for sure. Okay. Devontae Smith is off the board. Evan, now we get to the Chargers at pick 13. Certainly could use some help in the trenches, I think. But what do you have for them uh, at pick 13? Yeah, Chargers have three really big needs on the left side of their offensive line. Uh, a pass rusher opposite Joey Bosa, but also cornerback where they cut Casey Hayward. And, you know, they're, I mean, they're, they've all of a sudden become weak at that position. I think that they would love to draft J.C. Horn out of South Carolina here, a player who crushed his pro day and um, perfect fit for their defense. Love it. Okay. Pick 14, Scott. The Minnesota Vikings are on the clock. I think most mocks here have them taking some guard or tackle or some offensive lineman. What do you think about the Vikings at pick 14? Yeah, I definitely think that they they need offensive line help. Um, I mean, there were some times last last year that Kirk Cousins was just getting killed. And I think if he doesn't have a clean pocket, he can't perform well. However, you also look at their coach as a defensive-minded coach and was absolutely embarrassed and said it was the mm -hmm. worst defense that he ever coached. So I think the two positions you kind of start looking at is going to be an edge rusher or it's going to be some offensive line help. With the depth of the offensive lineman that they have that's going to be there in round two, I'm actually going to go ahead and swing on a defensive side of the ball, and I'm actually going to go with Quiddy Pay. So I, I think he's got a lot of athleticism, um, you know, he, behind the scenes. They say he's interviewing very well and, and he's got some explosiveness to, to go ahead and develop his game and kind of work well on the other side of Daniel Hunter on, on that defensive line. OK, interesting pick there. Quiddy pay to the Vikings pick 15, the New England Patriots, Bill Belichick's dog or Bill Belichick will likely be on camera at that point. Evan, what do you think about 15, the New England Patriots? Micah Parsons, linebacker out of Penn State. 
Uh, I think the Patriots would love to come out of this draft, uh, come out of this first round with a quarterback, but it's going to take a lot to move up and, and get one of those guys. I think that Micah Parsons, Dante Hightower getting older, Kyle Van Noy, kind of an average player. Micah Parsons can play on all three downs, play in pass coverage, a guy that they're not going to have to take off the field in any situation. And uh, I, I think that this is a, 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 a very nice fit here. Yeah, there's been some like off field uh, like rumors around Micah Parsons that has, pers- at least in the prop market, his lines have dropped a little bit. I still think Micah Parsons to be the first linebacker off the board is a really good bet. It went down to like minus 300, I saw at some spots. I don't know. I, I haven't heard anything too, too serious on the off the field stuff that would make NFL teams blink too, too hard. So, yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. All right. Pick 16, Scott. The Arizona Cardinals are on the clock. Yeah, I think under this circumstance, I think Arizona would actually be looking to trade back a few spots. But, uh, you know, when we do mock drafts, we don't we don't go ahead and project trades to just throw everything off. Um, you know, look, uh, their secondary is in a world of hurt. I don't think you can go in, you know, with, with Robert Alford and, you know, a host of other scrubs there as, as your cornerback. So I'm actually going to have them maybe reaching a little bit for, for a player here, but I'm going to go with Greg Newsom, the cornerback from Northwestern. Right. Greg Newsom, Northwestern to the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, the uh, the uh, long shot for Arizona. I've seen some trade up scenarios where they try to get a wide receiver like Jalen Waddell or Devontae Smith. I don't know how likely that is, but yeah, it's interesting. I do think they're a major candidate to either trade up, trade back, something like that. Arizona, I think, might be busy on Thursday night. Evan, pick 17, the Las Vegas Raiders need help pretty much everywhere. What do you have for Las Vegas at 17? Yeah, bottom five roster, I think, in the NFL. And this is a team whose pass rush has been non-existent throughout the John Gruden era. I think they take Jalen Phillips, edge rusher out of Miami, Florida, uh, has drawn comparisons to Joey Bosa. Um, and they need to fix this pass rush and, and be able to uh, pressure, you know, quarterbacks, in, especially in the division, looking at, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. Jalen Phillips is a player who's been on the rise since a, a big time pro day. And I think is going to be really has a chance to go earlier than this. Uh, but in this scenario, he's available. Raiders take him. Pick 18. The Dolphins are back on the clock, Scott, and you had them taking Jalen Waddell with the number six overall pick. So they have their wide receiver core kind of filled out a little bit, especially if you like Devontae Parker, if you like Preston Williams, Lynn Bowden. But now they're back on the clock at 18. Where do you think the Dolphins go now? Yeah, well, they passed on offensive line the first go-round, so I think here's where you can kind of start looking at some of the tackle prospects. You've got Tevin Jenkins, who's a bona fide right tackle, you know, with with Tua being a left-handed quarterback. That's really his line side. Um, But the big issue you have with a lot of these tackles that are here in the first round you know, the, the threshold that NFL scouts and GMs really like is that 34-inch arm length, and there's not too many of these tackles here in the first round, and even some of the guys at the top of the second round that have that. One of the guys that does have the length and, and, and some of the scouts really seem to like is Christian Darasaw. So I'm going to go ahead and give him the tackle from Virginia Tech to go ahead and help to and protect him. Yep. I think that would be a pretty nice 6-18 start for the Miami Dolphins. Okay. Evan, I'm sure Washington football team right now, they're on the clock at 19, would not be too happy that Darasaw 
just went because they are in, certainly in the market for a tackle. What do you think they do now here at 19 with Darisaw and Rashawn Slater both off the board? Yeah, I think that this puts Washington in a difficult situation, um, the way that this draft has gone so far. But I think that Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC uh, has experience at guard and tackle. Uh, they just need to add to their offensive line. Um, and I mean, they're going to have a great defense, you know, and they're, they're going to be able to score points, I think, with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. And they're going to have a pretty good running game. They've got some weapons at receiver. They need to shore up that offensive line. I think Elijah Vera Tucker is a plug and play left guard for, for, the, uh, for the football team. All right. Our football team, or at least my football team. Uh, okay. Chicago Bears, we knew they flirted with wide receivers in free agency on top of bringing Allen Robinson back, as we talked about on earlier podcasts. I mean, we don't know how long Allen Robinson wants to be there, will be there. Uh, so wide receiver, I think, will be heavily rumored here. However, I'm not sure that there's prospects necessarily worthy of this spot. But what do you think, Scott, at 20, the Chicago Bears are on the clock? Yeah, I think you're looking at Ryan Pace, and the question is, in the back of my mind, does he just go YOLO and try to trade up at some point and get one of the quarterbacks with situations earlier? Um, I think his job's really on the line. I think no matter what he does in this draft, he's probably going to be going soon. Um, but look, under the circumstance, I think you start looking at the issues they have, not having Allen Robinson you know, under contract for fat pass this year. I think uh, Anthony Miller hadn't really panned out. I, I think they need a, a wide receiver. Um, it may be a little bit early. Um, you, you look at some of Peter Schrager's mock drafts, and, and he's had Kadarius Tony going earlier than a, a lot of other mock drafts. I'm not as high on, on Tony going going quite that soon. I think he can sneak into the first round. I think Rashad Bateman's going to be the fourth wide receiver. This may be a little bit early, but if Allen Robinson leaves next year, they have nothing much behind him in the way of an alpha wide receiver to go ahead and do that. So I think I, I think I'm going to go with Rashad Bateman here at 20, even though it's a little bit early. Yeah, I like Rashad Bateman too. I mean, there's some of these guys that are so small. At least Rashad Bateman has good size. By the way, Evan, while we're on the subject of the Bears, uh, if you guys didn't listen to Evan and Fantasy Mansion eviscerate the Chicago Bears, you should check that out. What was the response, Evan? Have you heard from Ryan Pace personally late yet to threaten your life or anything like that? Not yet, but the the feedback has been positive. I think that people uh, who've listened to the the show have uh, you know it's it's supposed to be entertaining, you know, and I think that people came away entertained and informed. So hopefully, people more people will listen. Yeah, I'd love to know if Ryan Pace himself or like Bears ownership actually listened. That would be amazing. Um, okay, back to Evan. Colts are on the clock. At pick 21 here, I assume the chalk is going to be something on the line, either offensive line or defensive line. Uh, Evan, what do you think about Colts pick 21? Yeah, I think there are two big needs for the Colts. Uh, One is obviously left tackle. But I think that the Colts believe that they can get a solid left tackle in the second round. Uh, Brandon Thorne, the offensive line specialist, has talked about how they can ease in a left tackle playing next to Quentin Nelson and, you know, giving him some help with Mo Cox, who I think that the, the Colts are going to use more this season after giving him a second round tender. And so I think in this position, there isn't a great left tackle on the board remaining. They're going to go with Caleb Farley out of uh, uh, Virginia tech. And, you know, Caleb Farley has had some injury issues and that's the big uh, concern with him. But, 
if he didn't have those injury issues, if he hadn't opted out of uh, 2020, he might have been the first cornerback off the board. And the Colts need help in the secondary. They go with Caleb Farley. Interesting. Like it. Okay. Tennessee Titans staying in the AFC South back to Scott at pick 22. Yeah, the interesting thing is Caleb Farley was going to be my pick here. I think uh, Tennessee desperately needs some help in a few places. Caleb Farley has the upper-level talent. One of the things frustratingly with him is injuries and, uh, of course, sitting out. And and I think that's a real big point to make with all of this is that with the combine not happening this year, there's so much information that normally comes out of the combine that we're just missing out on that we don't have access to to make some of these decisions. So, you know, you, you have to kind of trickle through what's being released. Um, you know, here for the Tennessee Titans, since Caleb Farley's not available, you know, you looked at Wilson that didn't pan out last year and is trying to be a rapper jumping on cars in the middle of shopping centers. Um, I'm going to go with right tackle again, and we're going to go ahead and get Tevin Jenkins and see if they can fill that right side and what they failed to do last year all right Tevin Jenkins tackle is off the board all right the Jets with the second pick first pick was obviously Zach Wilson New York Jets are back on the clock this time Silva has them at pick 23 Eric Stokes cornerback out of Georgia Uh, I've heard that he's going to go in the first round Uh, he his uh, draft uh, position prop right now on DraftKings is 45 and a half. I love the under on that. I also love him at plus 140 to go in the first round at all. The Jets have had problems in the secondary forever. uh, And I think that uh, teams are higher on Eric Stokes than uh, is the draft media. And Eric Stokes uh, ran uh, 4.25 and 4.27 at his pro day. He had four interceptions last season in a, a, a limited year. And uh, I think that uh, in, in this scenario, the Jets go cornerback Eric Stokes. Interesting. I haven't bet those yet, but I'm going to look as soon as this podcast is over and maybe bet a couple of those. All right. For fantasy purposes, Scott, this is going to be one of the spots that people are talking about because the Pittsburgh media seems convinced that the Pittsburgh Steelers must have a running back. I don't know if the actual team, though, is convinced that they need to get a running back here or in round two, 24 Pittsburgh is on the clock. No running backs are off the board yet. Yeah, you know, there, there's not. Uh, that's one of the props I do like. And, and we hit on it last year uh, with, with the prop show that Evan and I did. We're talking about running backs in the first round. I, I absolutely think there will be at least one running back drafted in the first round. And I think this is a good spot for Najee Harris to go. I, I think that I like the fit and, and a, a loose comp to what Le'Veon Bell used to be. I think in today's NFL, Najee Harris has a lot of the trait to being a bigger back who's still fluid and able to catch the ball out of the backfield. So he checks a lot of boxes of what you're looking for if you are going to draft a running back in the first round. It's not necessarily what the Steelers would, would normally do, but I think if we're talking about Big Ben being at the end of his rope, you know, this possibly being his last season, you're going to have offense in place between their wide receivers and here with Najee Harris to go ahead and, and transfer and ease a, a younger quarterback or a transitional quarterback on him. And, and I still think they can go ahead and address the offensive line needs that they have later on in the draft. Yeah, this would be the pick. If this is the pick, this would be the one that like fantasy Twitter just sits and mocks and laughs at uh, all night. Najee Harris at 24, but we'll see. We'll see. Jacksonville is back on the clock. Evan, obviously, first first pick was Trevor Lawrence. Now they have another pick here at 25. What do you have for Jacksonville? We're going RB back-to-back here. Travis oh Etienne 
to Jacksonville, reuniting Trevor Lawrence with his RB from college. I think that teams will uh, be willing to justify to themselves that they can take an RB of Travis Etienne's caliber because of how good in the passing game he is. Over 100 receptions in college, uh, almost 12 yards per catch in his career, uh, an explosive playmaker. James Robinson had a great first season, but this new regime in Jacksonville is not going to have, you know, has no ties to James Robinson and uh, Travis Etienne, clearly a more explosive player. I mean, running backs back to back in the first round, analytics, Twitter, it's just going to absolutely lose its mind. I mean, heads are going to explode. Hermes Meyer's lid might blow off if it goes Najee Harris, Etienne back to back. Cleveland Browns are on the clock at pick 26. Back to Scott here for the Browns pick. Yeah, the Browns really uh, kind of shook things up. Uh, I kind of had them going edge in a, a number of other drafts. Um, you know, with the the recent signing that they had, I, I don't necessarily think that's going to be the the rate they go. Right here, I'm looking at linebacker. They could use some linebacker help. And uh, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa uh, kind of has that versatility to play a little bit of safety, kind of guard some of these tight ends and, and other positions that you have to deal with. And so uh, I'm going to go ahead and give him to Cleveland and, and get some, some linebacker help. All right. Uh, the Ravens had a trade, by the way, Evan, which we haven't had a chance to talk about yet. What did you think of the the Ravens uh, trade with Orlando Brown and Kansas City? Obviously, Kansas City's offensive line getting completely revamped, and now the Ravens have two first-round picks. What do you think of the trade, Evan, and also Baltimore's on the clock at 27? Well, there was a reason that Orlando Brown went in the third round coming out of college after it, an exceptional college career, and it was because he's very limited athletically. And over the past few seasons playing in Baltimore, you know, he's played in a, in a two tight end offense uh, and he has played, you know, in a, in a very run heavy offense. And now he's going to go to uh, more of a three receiver offense, but uh, especially a pass heavy offense. And so I, I some of his athletic limitations will be exposed in Kansas City. Uh, and also the Chiefs are going to have to pay him. I mean, he has immense leverage. Uh, in, in contract talks. He, he's coming up on his contract year. I think it was a risky move by Kansas City. And, you know, like right after the trade, everyone praised the Chiefs for going and, and getting Orlando Brown. He's all, he hasn't played left tackle since, you know, he was playing in, in the Big 12. And this is a, a, an entirely different level of competition. I, I thought it was a risky move by Kansas City. Uh, with that said, now at what number 27, Baltimore – you know, I think that wide receiver is very much in play here. Uh, but also, I mean, the, the Ravens need pass rushers. They have like no pass rushers right now. So Aziz Olajari, and I know I'm saying that wrong, uh, but he gives them some credibility as a pass rusher. They lost Matt Judon in free agency to New England. They need help up front rushing the passer. He can do that. All right, Ravens are going to be picking again shortly here, but now we go to pick 28 New Orleans Saints back to Scott. Hometown, right? This week, you live in New Orleans, right, Scott? Yeah, I live about 30 minutes right outside and kind of in the suburbs, but uh, not necessarily a Saints fan. So okay. I, I get a lot of crap down here. So although I do have season tickets, so we'll go with that. But uh, yeah, I don't think this draft board really falls 
well for the Saints. I, I think you start looking at, at how they're strapped for for cap room. You know, they've made the maneuvers that they need to get under cap and kind of get some space. Um, I, I think cornerback and secondary help is a major concern. You have Malcolm Jenkins getting up there in age. Um, so I, I think under the circumstances, that's who I'm going to go with. Uh, Trevon Morig out of TCU is the, the only safety with a first round grade. Um, you start looking at, at some of the players and some of the things they need. And I think they just go with the best player available at that position. So we're going to go with Trevor Moore. I got a TCU. Yeah. Been a massive favorite to be the first safety off the board through this entire process. Uh, Green Bay Packers. I'm sure Evan, people here are going to be saying, my God, get Aaron Rodgers some help, get him a wide receiver here at pick 29, but they have not. I mean, I can't remember last time they drafted a wide receiver in the first round. I really can't. Uh, Packers at pick 29 back to Silva. Asante Samuel Jr., a playmaker from Florida State. I think they play him in the slot over Chan and Sullivan. And uh, they that's one of their weaknesses, uh, really, uh, has been slot corner. He can do that. He's a smaller corner, but he, he's, he's a ball hawk. And uh, I think that Green Bay would love him here. All right. Aaron Rodgers still tilted, not getting him any help, but that's okay. By the way, Asante Samuel Jr., I assume Asante Samuel, former Eagles cornerback, is his father or no? Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be. Yeah. Okay. Buffalo. I think there's some people who will be upset that the Bills uh, do not have Travis Entienne as an option here. What do you think the Bills do at 30, Scott? Yeah, you know, the Bills have, uh, have drafted well and, and built a nice team over the last few years. Um, one of the people that they did miss on is drafting early and drafting Ed Oliver. And Ed Oliver kind of hasn't paid, paid, panned out too much. They could use some edge help. Um, there's a bunch of edge guys here. Um, but I, I'm going to go with Christian Barmore out of Alabama to help him on the interior defensive line. Um, you know, when we're doing mock drafts here, you know, one of the important things is to try to – kind of get the top 32 guys and get the guys that we think are going to be in, in the first round. And sometimes here when you're on the back end of the, of, of the first round, you know, you start looking at teams and it's not just about the teams that are drafted here at the end, but it's also about the teams that are at the top of the second round that may move back in. I think when you look at this defensive tackle class specifically, it's not a deep one. Barmore is probably the only one that, that grades out as a first round uh, draft pick. And, and I think here he would make a lot of sense, whether it's going to be to the Bills or another team trading up. Uh Adam Schefter tweeted the list of players who will be in Cleveland for the draft on Thursday, and all of them were expected. The two that I thought were interesting were Barmore. Christian Barmore will be at the draft on Thursday night, and Gregory Rousseau will also be at the draft on Thursday night. And those were two guys who were kind of fringe first-rounders, I guess. I don't know, Scott, or uh, do you put any credence in this? Because there's been guys who have been at the draft before, and they end up in the second round, obviously. But it kind of gives me a little bit better feeling betting on Rousseau and Barmore to go in the first round if they've been invited there. Uh, what do you think about that? Is there any merit in that when you're doing your mocks? Yeah, I think there is some merit. Uh, I think when it comes down to it, the NFL's given, you know, what information they have on these players. It's a bad look for anybody to be in the Aaron Rodgers situation, sitting there waiting not to have their name called when that camera's yeah. painted on. It's just not a good look for the NFL. It's not a good look for the players. So I think they try to avoid that as much as possible with some of these invites. But, you know, one of the other things that I'm really looking at with this pick one of the bets that I like in the props is, uh, you know, over f five and a half uh, players from Alabama to be drafted in the first round. 
you know, that's one of the props that I've been I've been hitting on. You know, I, I think Alabama with the offensive players that they they've got Mac Jones, Waddle, Smith, you know, and, and you know Patrick Sertain, and then you start adding in Najee Harris. You've even got some picks people looking at Landon Dickerson and, and even the the tackle there. So I, I think you have a lot of outs with that prop bet to to go ahead and make. And, and I'm kind of adding on to it here with more and more going to the Bills. Mm-hmm, for sure. Okay. Uh, Evan pick 31 was the Chiefs pick. Now it is the Ravens pick. Once again, you had them taking Aziz Olashari at 27. What do you have them doing at 31? Um, Elijah Moore, Ole Miss wide receiver. I think he's the number four wide receiver on a lot of teams' draft boards. Remind me a lot of Doug Baldwin uh, when I watched him play. He is a, a receiver that can be a vertical slot. And he ran four three five at his pro day, hyper productive in college, uh, and addresses a need for Baltimore. Baltimore kind of whiffed on on a lot of their wide receiver targets in free agency, settled for Sammy Watkins. He's no long term solution. Elijah Moore, Ole Miss, here at thirty one. Yep, I would like that pick for sure for Lamar Jackson. All right, pick 32. We know the Bucks for the first time in 40-plus years as a Super Bowl champion are getting every single one of their starters back for this season. Last pick of the first round goes to Scott and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Yeah, I think when we start looking at things with all of their starters coming back, this is a spot where they could really go any number of places. You know, they're trading back out of the first round, picking up more picks for next year. You know, that's an option. Just trying to get more draft capital in general is an option. Um, with very little needs, I, I think this is a spot where you could see one of those running backs going. And our circumstance and scenario we have here, we already have both of those top two running backs off. Um, I don't think you can kind of go with Javante Williams. So I think what you start looking at are the positions of value. And you start looking at, at JPP and how much he's played along that defensive line. He's starting to get up there in age. And I think you start looking at one of these edge defenders. We've got Gregory Russo that we just talked about that's been invited to the draft. And you got Jason Owe, the uh, the edge you know from from Penn State who just killed the combine I I think you know when when I think it's Ken Platt has the relative athletic score I think he scored the highest of any defensive end prospect graded so I I think with JPP you have a a option with a player that has those tools and those traits in Oway to be able to develop and bring them along slowly and hope that some of his skill can match up to the athletic traits so I'm gonna go with edge defender uh Jason Owe from Penn State for the last pick of the first round. All right. There you have it, folks. The first round from Scott Smith and Evan Silva's mock. Of course, there will be more mocks. There will be different scenarios that play out. They will have different scenarios in their own mocks. Scott, tell the people where they can find your mock, where they can find your work, where they can find you on Twitter and all that. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Scott Smith FF. Uh, look, I'm more than happy to talk draft and interact over the next few days. Um, you're going to be able to find uh, my mock draft over at the Action Network. And, uh, you know, hopefully it'll be accurate and maybe I can hit on 10 or 11 of these picks and get about 28 of them in the first round. But it's going to be a tough year. Look, a lot of the dominoes are going to fall with those picks three and four. And I, I think you're going to see a lot of mock drafts accuracy killed just off of those first 10 picks. So it's going to be interesting. You know, hopefully uh, I can go ahead and, and stay on top of Evan, but I think it's going to be a rough year this time. Uh, are these contests, are they weighted towards the top? Like if you get pick 27, right, is it weighted the same as getting pick four, right? 
You know, the interesting thing is that there's been some newcomers on the scene as far as grading mock drafts, and each one kind of has their own grading algorithm. So it's a little little bit different for, for each one some of them wait you know the exact pick you know the, the exact pick and match with that team a little bit more where some of them you know measure the the exact pick to that position yeah. a little bit differently so it's really different across all the scoring different scoring formats and grading systems yeah yeah okay i see i mean yeah and to me like these mock draft contests uh, if you get like picks like 16 20 22 28 29 right like that's crazy impressive it seems so much hard more hard so much harder to predict. But anyways, two of the best here, Scott and Evan at the mock drafting scene. We'll be back on Tuesday to talk draft props with Anthony Amico, who's been grinding this really, really hard. And then Friday, we'll be doing a live show, 11 a.m. Eastern on our YouTube. Check it out. It'll be me, Evan, Pat Corain, Mike Leone talking fallout from round one, looking ahead to round two. That'll be Friday at 11 a.m. on our YouTube. All right, we said it all. Thank you, Scott, for being here. This was awesome. Thank you, Evan, for producer Luke. I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.